Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. Okay, so I have a question to ask you. Uh, I want you to sit back, relax. I want you, you know, by the way, you ever notice that I'm always asking you all these questions? Like, do, do you listen to this podcast because it's interactive? For me, the reason I love podcasts is that I'm not talking, is that I'm just listening to people. I'm eavesdropping. I'm cherry picking. I can zone out. I can then tune back in. Well, it's kind of like on my terms. But I always come to you and I say, I got to ask you a question. I want to know. Curious. How do you guys think about that? Do you like that? Do you not? If not, let me know. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear that. But of course, I do have a question. My question is today is about adapting. I was reflecting how my career, which has spanned computer science, it spanned sales, it spanned marketing, it spanned industries. I've sold hardware, I've sold software, I've sold in different countries. It's been a nonstop state of transition, adaptation, if you will. I remember when I had my first real important marketing job. And they said, Daryl, you own this big ass database product that's got millions of users worldwide. You're going to market it all. And by the way, you're going to run the Japanese office and you're going to meet with them, you know, every night or once a week, whatever, nine o'clock at my time, which was probably, you know, whatever, eight in the morning, their time. And we were doing video conference in the days when video conference was rare. And I had to figure out the Japanese culture if I wanted them to understand what we were doing. And then I needed to work with them to adapt because everything we were doing over here wasn't over there. And I'd never done that before. And I remember to this day, my good friend Tanaka-san uh, and I talking, and he was so polite and he would say such nice things to me on these video calls. And then, of course, the challenge was, and you're doing this, you know, I'm a young kid, right? Inexperienced, like you wouldn't believe. And then they would talk amongst themselves and they would hear five minutes of Japanese. And I have no idea what they're saying. They could be saying, I'm a moron. He's a stupid North American. He's marketing like I'm North American. Ignore him. Just be polite. Or they could be saying, really great idea. Or they could be saying, what are we having for lunch? I don't know. But I had to adapt and figure out how to work with them because it was my ass in the line for the results. And then I remember when I went and I actually moved the family to the States for the first time. And even though I'm Canadian and the States is just down south, we are different. You may think we're a lot alike. The Americans, you may think Canadians are just like you. We're not. And if you're international, you may think, well, everybody in North America is the same. We're not. And I had to adapt. One of the things I recognized is when I was living in LA, for example, was I picked up the word dude. And that has never left my vocabulary since. It was a very different culture. And it was much more direct. Canadians aren't as direct. I would suggest Europeans are not as direct, but Americans, they're direct. I had to adapt if I wanted to be taken seriously. At so many points in my career, even when you think about the emergence of the internet, because I was doing this before the internet, how is this going to replace media? And that was before Google and pay-per-clicks and these things would come out and you, and you go, I don't know. I don't know. You have to adapt. You're adapting. I have been through multiple recessions. You adapt. One recession, when I was in LA, when I got there, I had 24 staff when I started that job. When I left four years later, it was me and one other guy from 24 to two. You adapt. I had raised 
At a certain point, in a previous recession, I had raised $50 million in VC funding. We were on fire. The economy tanked. Dot-com crashed. Boom. No one's buying. You adapt. We went from perpetual licenses to software as a service. That's just bizarre. We're always on the software as a service. You're not getting a big chunk of change. You're actually losing money up front because they're giving you a hundred bucks a month versus a check for $10,000. So how you run the company is you adapt. When we sell, we need to adapt constantly and we need to recognize that our buyer is changing and they're adapting. If you're stuck in your old way, you're stuck in old ways. I know I'm repeating myself here, but I mean, old ways are not what win new business. New ways win new business. So let me ask you this. Are you adapting? Are you stuck in your old ways? It's a really important question. And that, my friend, is why I brought on a really important guy. If you followed the great debate we did between Team UK and Team USA, this guy was bigger than life. He was potentially the loudest, most vocal, most opinionated guy on the show on Team USA. He wore his football jersey. Like, it was just prominent. And he had so much presence. His name is Rob Jepson. He, my friend, is the founder and CEO of Exvoyant. If you don't know them, they are the world's number one sales performance improvement platform. He's a keynote speaker. He's host of the Sales Leadership Podcast. This guy not only exudes sales improvement, sales leadership, he actually practices it. Rob, welcome to the show, my friend. Daryl, thanks for having me. Super excited to be with you, man, and I appreciate that introduction. It's honored to be a guest of your show, and I can't wait to have this conversation about adapting. So let's just get into it. You and I were talking about this as we we're getting ready for the show. We're talking about the whole idea of adapting. 2020 has been a year of adaptation. We began it with no pandemic. And then along the way, we had this pandemic that we have work from home. And then, you know, do we open up? Do we not open up? You know, the list goes on. We are constantly in a state in 2020 right? of adapting. So you actually brought up this topic. My immediate reaction was like, oh, bam that was personal i get it as i spoke there at the start and i'm not sure if you're new in your career you truly understand this is your first time through an economic downturn or maybe the last time yeah. you just weren't in a position to control it you've got a whole company there i mean not just from a sales side you know you are the founder and ceo of the company talk about adapting why is this topic so relevant and personal to you i gotta ask it's a great question. I mean, listen, first of all, the term modern sales, you and I both work in the world of modern sales and you guys do amazing things to help sales organizations be relevant to customers. But that term modern sales, Daryl, I think it's changed in the last 45 days. There's a lot of people that think modern sales means like in the last couple of years. No, I'm talking about the last couple of months, man. Like really no time to prepare. All of a sudden the way people buy changed, uh, the way people allocated cash changed the needs that people had suddenly were prioritized differently. There were a lot of things that happened really quick. I love how you said 2020, a funny thing happened on the way to quarter two, right? Uh, a <laughs> pandemic happened. <laughs> and, funny thing happened. And, yeah, that's a good, good way of putting it, yes. Yeah, a funny thing happened. And for a salesperson and a sales leader, but for this show, sales people, there are study after study, Google it. You wanna talk about, I love your introduction, like, I'm pre-Google guy too. I cut my teeth in sales early on. There was no Google. It was a freaking phone book, man, and a phone that I used. Yes. And so one of the things that's happened that, that I would say to everybody listening to the show, 
For at least 20 years, one of the number one indicators of success of a salesperson is their adaptability, their ability to adapt. You want to be the first one to adapt as conditions change. You don't want to lose opportunities and wait for your leader to come and say, this is the new script. This is the new ICP. This is the new whatever. You want to be a salesperson that's so close to your market and understanding what's making it work that you're going to be able to adapt with it and be the first one there. You know, Mark Benioff is one of the ones that said it. We don't go to where our customers are. We go to where our customers are going to be. I've always loved that quote. They always want to go where they're going to be. And so as a salesperson, you should ask yourself, where am I? Am I going to where the customer is going to be? Or am I going to where I thought they were? Because funny things happen on the way to quarter two, Daryl. And if we go to where they were, we're going to get left behind. I think Benny is ripping off Wayne Gretzky because he always says you skate to where yes. the puck's going to be, not where the puck is. Yes. There you go. It is for yes. sure Gretzkyism. For sure. Yeah. And you're spot on, right? Here's the thing I find. When I was younger... By the way, folks, if I make myself sound like an old man when I say when I was younger, yeah, I am. When I was younger, I'm with you, Darryl. I, I'm with you. You're with, you're with me. I love it. I didn't know enough to know that that things had changed. I didn't know to go to where the puck is. I didn't even know what the hell that meant. What I want to do with you today is I want to understand how do I identify that I need to adapt? In other words, what are the symptoms? What's going on? Is it an economic indicator? Is it all of a sudden, you know, the sales tactics I used to do don't work anymore? And then what I want to do once we understand that, okay, warning Will Robinson, by the way, if you don't know what that means, Google it. It's a 60s reference. Warning Will Robinson, that happens, that alert happens and all of a sudden you're like, shit, I got I to gotta change. Then I want to drill down to you on three, four, five ways to adapt. So let's do that. So how do I know I need to adapt? Is it just as simple as what used to work isn't working anymore or what? That's one way. And unfortunately, that's the way most people do, I think, Daryl, is they come back and they say, you know, since we're both going old school, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the famous 80s movies for 500, Alex. We're going to go to Ghostbusters. When they're chasing their first ghost in the New York library, they get up there and they say, what are we going to do? And someone go talk to the ghost. And he tries to talk to the ghost and she goes, shh. And he comes back and he says, the usual things aren't working. So yeah, sometimes that's what happens. Daryl, they come back and say, the normal things aren't working. And then we got to adapt. I think there's a better way to do it. I think there's a better way. And that's to make sure that we're always in a mode of A-B testing. We're always in the mode of saying, okay, is this still working as well as it used to? And is there other things that we should be looking at? People that are having those kind of relationships with their customers, they're able to have different kind of conversations. And I think one of the big problems, Daryl, that I think happens is too many salespeople are product-centric rather than problem-centric. And if you want to know how to adapt, remain problem-centric. Because as you may remain problem-centric, you're having conversations about what problems you're able to solve or what results you're able to achieve. You're able to dollarize the value of changing those things. And then you can have conversations on where does this rank in terms of the problems in your company? And as you take that kind of an approach where you're making about the problems that they prioritize, you will have customers volunteer the new problems or the emerging problems before they become like the common problem that's the quote unquote new normal. You wanna solve emerging problems as well as existing problems if you wanna find out where the adapting should go. He's dropping an 80s reference, Ghostbusters. My producer's yeah, whispering in my, in my ear that is not warning Will Robinson, it's danger Will Robinson, which of course- it's Danger. Lost <laughs> Danger, so I got that wrong. 
And then what I, what I just, I, I had so many thoughts when I talk about with you because you were nailing it. You mentioned the AB testing. I tell you guys over and over and over again, yeah. AB test. Did I not tell you the AB test nonstop? What I want to do here is I want to get right into it. I know we're going fast and furious. I love the pace we're at, but we got to pay the bills. So we're going to go to commercial break. And then when we come back, Rob is going to walk us through exactly once you find gold. Oh, sugar, it's time to adapt. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say, but I want to get this in before the commercial break. Rob mentioned, are you product-centric or are you solution-centric? If your voicemail script to me, if I pick up the phone, starts off with, hey, Daryl, I'm Joey, and I'm with ABC Company, and our product does this. If your connection request or your first communication to me on LinkedIn says, hey, Daryl, I'm with ABC Inc., and our product does this. If that sounds at all familiar to you, if your Cadence email templates early on says, Product ABC does X, Y, and Z. You, my friend, are product-centric. Fix that. We're going to commercial break. We'll be back shortly. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. We're back. We beat them up on Product Centric. We dropped some good vintage pop culture references, and we told them how to adapt. That leads us to how do we adapt what are all the different ways we can do because it's not just it's not just simple by the way thing about adapting guys is that you can adapt to your team you can adapt to your product you can adapt to the financial situation you can adapt to so many things okay rob let's just start this is go in no particular order i'm going to give you three i'm going to have to keep this high level because this is a 20 minute conversation we're down to our last eight here's the first one adapt to the usage situations this is how steve jobs saved apple he starts the company, he gets booted from his old company, and he comes back. And what's the first thing he brought? An adaptation called A Thousand Songs in Your Pocket. That's more than just good marketing. That's a usage situation. Do yourself a favor and go watch the video. Google it. The video of the, of the opening of the first Apple store where he says people aren't buying computers. They're buying games. They're buying education. They're buying you know four things that he identifies. Set up the Apple store to do those four things. That's understanding usage situations. So when you want to adapt, make sure you're being, yes, problem-centric. Make sure you are, yes, understanding why that problem matters. But identify those usage situations. Let me give you an example, Daryl, of something I saw just last week. I'm a road, road warrior. I travel all the time. But I have learned that the portable cell phone chargers are my best friend. I have a couple of them. They need to have power to charge me twice. They've got to be small because I don't want to have something filling up my backpack. Charge Tech is a company that has sold me several of them. I'm on their mailing list. And last week I got something else sent to me. It was, the marketing was how to beat cabin fever. And now instead of a little tiny 
uh, usage situation, they actually have a big device that sits on a desk and it says, since everyone's working from home and since it's spring, here's how you work outside. Buy our big charger. It will charge a computer, a monitor, a printer, a musical device, a whole bunch of things all day long. So enjoy the spring weather, still have social distancing with charge tech. That's a perfect example of adapting to a usage situation. For everyone listening, your customers are going through changes, your companies are going through changes. Do yourself a favor and list on one side, who are my customers? Go on the other side, what are the emerging problems? Make a grid that way and identify what problems matter. Get good at dollarizing the financial impact of those and you'll know where to adapt. So I'll push pause there and get your take. Daryl, that's the first way is adapting to use the situation. I'm just glad to see that I'm the only one who swears and lives by those portable chargers. I have them in my car, I have them in my backpack, I have them in my suitcase. I have a backup to the backup. I get it, I love it. Rob talked about adapting and he used the example of the use case over and over again, okay? Throw another word at you, you may have heard, and it equally applies, which is pivot. They pivot it from the, you know, the mobile one that uh, the traveling road warriors like Rob would have because it's light and it's nimble and they can put it anywhere to the big honking one because you're home already and you got to charge all these wonderful things. Adapt, pivot, same concept. You're reacting and you're dropping what's not working and you're going to something that is working. And if you're not sure it's working, remember what Rob said? You test it. So A-B test it. Okay. That's the first thing. You do the That's adapting the on on a solution, what's next? So after you find the use of situations, the next thing I would suggest is look at the experiences that you need to create in order to take someone through sales. Now listen, a lot of things have changed, but let me tell you what hasn't. Sales has not changed. You still have to have experiences where they say, I have a problem. This is why it's worth solving it. I identify that vanilla soft, the people that I wanna to use to solve the problem. And now I'm willing to go get the financial and political resource to get it done. Those experiences at a minimum still have to happen. Here's what you should look to adapt with. How do I engineer those experiences different ways now? The mechanic, you may not be able to have access to the same kinds of people the same way because they aren't all in the same office. There's a lot of things that may have changed in how you engineer those things. Timing certainly may have changed as people are either in hunker down mode, grow mode, or shrink mode, depending on what's going on. So you need to sit down and say, how do I engineer that experience? Here's another example. I'm a sports fan. Famous basketball player. Again, we're, we've been old school the whole time, so I'm going to stay old school there. I'm staying. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He yeah. was trying to be the next Wilt Chamberlain. He was dunking all the time. NCAA makes it illegal to dunk. What? You, young people are like, you're kidding me. They used to not be able to dunk? He doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? He develops a new shot called the Skyhook. And here's why I tell everybody that's listening about it. It made it so he could be dominant in the post without being physical. It extended his career. He played into his 40s. He's still the NBA scoring champ to this day, and nobody's even close because he found a new mechanic. So here's the thing. Understand the experiences for the use of the situation, but then say, what is the version of the skyhook that will help me engineer that in a different way, either different than my competitors or before my competitors figure out? I'm going to push pause, throw it back to you, Daryl. When we just had a similar conversation with Costas Perkis on one of a previous episode, where we talked literally about this, we talked about when things aren't working for whatever reason, it could be like we're talking about here, it could be environmental, you know, and all you have to adapt. And the point he was raising was that you need to try new things. He talked about a different mechanic, he, you know, Kareem went to the Skyhook. Costas was using an example of they never did video, their email templates weren't converting the, the way they needed to. So they literally started experimenting with a whole bunch of different tactics that they hadn't used and they re-evaluated the tactics they were using but weren't converting to the same way. So that's another way, they adapted their mechanics, they re-engineered what they were doing, they got rid of what was no longer working, they brought in some new stuff, and then they re-optimized the old stuff. So I would ask you right now, as you look at your mechanics and what you're doing, are you doing what you were doing 
when it wasn't a global pandemic. If that's the case and you're wondering why things aren't performing the same way, it's clear you didn't adapt. You need to adapt. Just like the battery charger example did. They adapted, they pivot. Okay, so the mechanics was great. Well, can I add one thing what without really fast? I promise it's yeah, fast. Yeah, go ahead. Three yeah, things yeah. for your listeners. I want your listeners to have a framework of ways they might look for those mechanics. Number one, you said video. I'm gonna tell you, get great at video. Don't get good at it, get great. Number two, in the experiences, learn the financial, why do those experiences matter? Get very good at the financial impact of that. It's a great adaptation to say, how do I speak fluently about this situation? And then third, I call it the homework assignment. In your sales engagement, it's not about what you do and then you hope they sign. You do this, so the customer does this, and then we advance. Get good at giving homework assignments to customers. Get really good at having them say, because we did this, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do this and then we're gonna move forward. If you get good at the homework assignments and adapt there, your customer sales processes, the win rates will go up and the cycle time will go down. The homework idea is brilliant. We've never had that conversation before. I've had it done to me. The reason I like it, because you know what? It actually gets me invested in the process because now I've put right. the time in and I want you to do something with this. So that's the first part. I haven't made this offer in a long time. I simply just forgot. But uh, you mentioned video, and if you're not good at it, get good at it. Of course, we know the number one reason people don't do it is because usually they're insecure, they're vain, they're uncertain, they don't they look good. It could be whatever it may be. You may have three heads. I don't really give a crap. If you're not sure, and if you want to practice it, here's my offer to you. Send me on LinkedIn a LinkedIn video. You can do that. You can send voice messages and video messages. Got to connect with me first to do it. So if you haven't done that, what are you thinking? Stupid, connect with me. And then send me a video message and say, Daryl, I want you to tell me what's good, what's bad about this. I will tell you. It will. I will probably send you a video back. So do that, free offer, and it's just you and I. I promise not to share it or show it to anybody else. That's video. Number three, go. Here's the last yeah. one. Learn what it means to lead with empathy. Too many people, I know you have a good relationship with John Barrows. He was one of the first ones to say, you know, get good at empathy. And what that led to, I get sold to 10 times a day. I get every email with one first line that says, I trust things are good with your family and you. And then there's a hard left turn and they pivot and they start pitching. I'm gonna give you a statement that I said in our UK versus USA that got a lot of people reaching out to me. I'm gonna say it here, this is a really important way to adapt. We are all in the same storm. We are just not all in the same boat. And you need to get good at understanding what boat the people you're in and how, where, what shore they're going to and how the storm affects them. For a medium-sized boat, this may not be a bad storm. For a dinghy, a little rubber raft, they could be terrified. But it's a cruise ship, they may still be in the casino and not even know a storm's going on. You need to know how to do it. There's three ways. You can, you can understand what boat they're in based on their persona. Maybe you've done their job or you work with tons of people who've done their job. You can understand what boat they're in based on the company size and the structure and the go-to-market. I work with lots of people that are geographically dispersed that sell like this, this, or this. And the third way is it can be market or vertical market understanding. If you get good at understanding and demonstrating this, you can create what I call I get you moments. The biggest mistake that I see salespeople make, they have a, a got something for you moment. Create an I get you moment, not an I got you moment and you will find that things change fast. I cannot support what he's saying hard enough and strong enough. That is a dramatic shift. Here's the other thing that Rob's not even mentioning. So few people do this that you will actually stand out from the crowd. So if you find yourself in a competitive cycle, they're gonna just wanna buy from you because they're gonna feel like you get them. 
Okay, 100%. let's bring it back a little bit here. I've heard all the advice. I've heard your three steps. I agree with them. I want to do them. But here's the problem, Rob. My company culture, my sales leader, my sales manager, my CEO, they don't get it. They think we just got to do more activity, more of the same. We're not, it's a cultural thing. Can I affect change with the culture so I can do exactly what you're telling me now in order to adapt? You can to a point. So here's the first advice. This winning kind of solves most problems. I still haven't found a sales leader that wants to suck, wants to lose when they wake up in the morning. And so if you can go show that this adaptation you're making is doing something in a measurable way, like I'm getting my deal size to get bigger, or I'm getting new opportunities, or my cycle time seems to be coming down, or I'm able to hold price better. If I can demonstrate those things, that's going to help. And you should want to do that. We should all be process oriented. We don't want to ever just win and, and they say, why did you win? Well, you got me. No, it's because I followed this process. That's what makes it repeatable. That's what makes it scalable. And so if you can show that you're, you're doing this and it's having an impact, you do want to be someone that can go from creating individual impact to organizational impact. So this is something that a salesperson should be looking to do. You should be signing up to show ways that you can create organizational impact instead of individual impact, because those are the people that become the stars. If you're doing that and you're finding that that's still being pushed down, saying this is just not how we do things here, you're going to have to make a decision. I mean, Honestly, Daryl, sometimes having poor culture and poor leadership is good enough reason to leave. For me, it's absolutely good enough reason to leave. I interview people when I'm on the hiring side. If, I, if I'm them like trying to join the company, you should want to know, are they going to be responsive to this before you go? If they won't listen, sometimes you have to leave. But my experience has been, if you can demonstrate it's more than just, I have this idea, people want to win. And if you can break it into a process that then becomes scalable, not only will they listen, but you'll get the opportunity to help roll it out and build your cachet and your influence inside. And that's what we really want to do. As salespeople, we're about creating influence, influence with customers, influence with prospects. And as a sales leader someday, if you become one, it's having influence with your team. So start learning how to have influence now. And I'm going to bring it back full circle. Remember what he said? He said testing. Remember, I keep hitting testing. He said, nobody likes to lose. Your sales leaders all want to win. Now, if they're pushing back on you, then this is how you get the compromise. You say, I hear you. I understand you. You want to do the same old, same old, just more activity. Tell you what, let's test it. I'll spend half my time doing it your way and I'll spend half my time doing it my way. Let's give it a week or two or a month and come back and then we'll look at the numbers. Sound good to you? Because if I'm right, we do want to know this, don't we? And if you're right, you're the hero. If you're wrong, well, they were always telling you the way it was and all you got to do is say, you know what? You were right. I was wrong. Thank you. I'm glad you indulged me with that. Even if they are right and you are wrong, you will still learn something new because you will have adapted and you can take that back to the team. So it's a win-win no matter what. And it's a nice way to sell that final answer. Exvoyant, the world's number one sales performance improvement platform. My good friend, Rob, how would I know I'm a candidate to be your customer? You're a candidate to be my customer if, if you have a sales team that you're serious about trying to help improve. That's what we do. We help leaders intentionally improve their sales teams. Generally, we want to have, it's not like a two or three or four man shop. Usually you have multiple sales managers leading larger sales teams. Just like you have a sales process, say we're going to scale out how we sell. We help sales organizations scale out how they lead and demystify the improvement process. If I'm a sales leader, here's what I would suggest. If you can't answer this question, What's my plan to help every single rep on my team get at least 10% better? Call me because we can help you with that. The website, Xvoyant, if you're not sure how to spell it, xvoyant.com. Rob Jepson, the founder and CEO, and he's just a rock star sales guy. He's been doing this forever. Okay, with that all said, we're done. We're out of time. Can you believe it? 
Follow Rob on LinkedIn. That's my one takeaway to you. And then tell all your other friends who aren't listening to this show right now that they need to adapt and subscribe and follow the Inside, Inside Sales Show. My name is Daryl Prale. That wraps it up. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft.